Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Friday, January 8th, 2021. Whether you want to realize it or not, you are in the middle of a war. Yes, today you are in a battle. And what I want us to realize today is this battle has many fronts. One phrase that even gets used a lot in our day and age is this idea of culture wars, you know, battles of ideas being fought out in the culture at large. And as Christians, we need to realize we are in a battle. There's battles of ideas going on in our society. There's a war over truth. And even yesterday, we we talked about what should we do as Christians when we look out in the world and we are concerned about what is going on. That's kind of one front of the battle that we are fighting in seeking to advance the gospel in a world that is so full of darkness. There's a front with with the church and then looking out at the world. But today, I want us to really think about the battle within. And it's important that we don't neglect any side of this war. And it's important that as we think about the church advancing the truth and the gospel in our world, we also realize we all face an enemy within, an enemy that we're going to have to deal with every single day. And one thing that's going to help us think about that battle is looking at the temptation of our Lord Jesus Christ today. But first, before we get to that passage in Matthew 4, I want us to start in Psalm 5. This is where we started yesterday with the first half of the psalm, and we talked about what do you do when you're concerned, when you look out at the world and you're bothered by what you see. And we saw how he lifted up his prayer to his king and his God. He he raised his concern to God. But then I I want you to see where he goes to next in in his prayer, starting in verse 7, and we're looking at verses 7 through 12 of Psalm 5 today. He says, but I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make my way straight before you. And then he starts talking about the enemies again, that there's no truth in their mouths. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave, right? right? And again, praying, God, help them expose their guilt, right? So he's continuing to pray about these concerns he has as he looks out at his world. But in the middle of it, there's a prayer for his own heart. Again, verse eight, lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. He's saying, God, help me to be righteous. I I know there's a sinful world out there that I'm concerned about, but God, I need your help because I want to walk in the way that is right. So that's something I would even add to what we were thinking about yesterday, that even as you think about the concerns you have about our culture or the direction of our nation, one thing that we must not neglect to pray for is our own hearts. We must be aware of our own tendency to fall into sin. We have to realize that none of us are beyond or immune to temptation and that we must guard our steps and we should be actively calling out to God for help. So, so that's something I want to encourage you with today is, is even at a time where maybe your concern about the culture or concern about the direction of our country is at an all time high, do not neglect the battle that is going on in your own heart. 
as you live life in this world. And I love how this psalm ends at verses 11 and 12. It says, but let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them that those who love your name may exult in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. And so just that confidence, even in all the concerns he has about what's going on in his world, his prayers for his own heart, there's a confidence that he has that those who take refuge in God will be protected. And that's just something as we think about the war within, we must be seeking God. We must be looking for his help and trusting in him. We will find a valuable refuge. Now let's turn to that account of the temptation of Jesus Christ in Matthew 4 verses 1 through 11. Now I think there's a lot that we can learn as Christians about how to deal with temptation from this passage. It's also fair to note that one reason of this passage is not just to give us an example, although I absolutely think it does that. I think we also need to see that a point is being made that Jesus has succeeded where you and I, and ultimately our our great, 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 great times, whatever grandfather Adam in the garden failed. And so we look at that and we should see and be grateful that Jesus passes the test, that Jesus lives the perfect life that we could not live. Even as we think about this war terminology, right? We were, we were prisoners in the war. There was no way we, we could win the battle within. We were slaves to our temptation, but because Jesus lived the perfect life, died on the cross for our sins and rose again, we can be set free from the bondage of sin and now even have the ability through him to overcome temptation. So that's one point we need to make before we dig into the passage. But then there is so much that we can learn from Jesus as we think about these temptations. One, the first temptation recorded here is how the tempter comes to him and tempts him to turn these stones to become loaves of bread, to to have Jesus use his miraculous powers um, to, to simply serve himself instead of to accomplish his mission as the Messiah, to simply serve himself. And Jesus responds, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I think that's a good reminder for us that so many of our temptations will start to be rationalized and we'll find ourselves saying things like, I need fill in the blank. And maybe it is, I need finances or I need, uh, you know, this provision or I need more love from my husband or I need more respect from my wife or I need more recognition at the workplace or all kinds of things that we start saying I need or I deserve this where Jesus could have said I I need a loaf of bread I haven't eaten in 40 days and 40 nights. And you know what? I'm the son of God. I deserve a loaf of bread. He could have started rationalizing all of these things, but instead he says, I'm going to be leaning on God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And then in the next one, scripture is actually twisted to tempt Jesus to throw himself off the temple saying, hey, do it. Dare God to protect you. And he responds with, no, scripture says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. 
And, and then he is taken and shown all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil says, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus says to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And so we see there the sequence of temptations. And what we need to realize is he responds to all of them with scripture. And that's just kind of the the challenge I want to give to you even is what scripture are you going to run to in the light of your temptations? Uh, Ephesians 6, when it talks about um, the the armor that we should put on, uh, it describes the sword as the word of God. This is our weapon that we use in the fight of faith. How sharp is your sword? Are you ready for battle? And what I want to specifically challenge you to do today is to think through some of your temptations. If we're all honest with ourselves, we know what some of our major temptations are. Sure, there's some things that might come up out of the blue on occasion, but uh, most of the time we know what our certain proclivities or temptations are. They're not a surprise to us. So I want to challenge you to think through, hey, what are some of the most common temptations that you face? And then what are some passages of scripture that you are going to run to when you are faced with that temptation next? Get your sword ready for battle. Because here's the reality. This battle within, it's going to keep on going until the day that we die. We are in this battle for the long haul. So get your sword sharp. Get it ready so that we can faithfully fight and wage war against our flesh uh, until the day when the flesh is gone. And whether it's through death or through meeting Christ in the air, that that we are transformed into a, a body that longs to do what is right. But until then, get ready for battle and do that by making sure your your weapon is ready and that you are ready to turn to God's word in times of temptation. Also, we, we think about this battle within, and I think there's some interesting connections to be made as we look at Genesis 19 and 20. Genesis 19 and 20. Now, much of this, especially chapter 19, really revolves around this story of Sodom and Gomorrah, which we know God ends up judging these cities because of their sin. And Lot is kind of the only one that's found to be righteous. And so we think about Abraham's prayers yesterday. God does protect Lot, not by sparing the cities, but by getting him out of there. But there's some things that I think we should notice where even though Lot was saved from this um, from this place and from this destruction, it does seem that there are some elements of compromise um, in his own life. Remember that this group of perverse men uh, tried to approach his house and uh, Tell them to to give these visitors, these men who had come, who we know are actually angels, to give them over to this crowd for all kinds of sinful purposes. And, and Lot, who refuses rightfully, you, you notice he says, "Well, well, here's my daughters." That I, I don't think that's that's a great suggestion. Sure, he's not he's protecting some people from evil, but there's some compromise to be noted there. And, and even you see it in his family. Uh, you, you see. That his sons-in-law, or I guess it looks like maybe future sons-in-law, don't even take him seriously. Uh, they're, they're clearly so lost to the culture. His wife ends up turning back 
uh, and becomes a pillar of salt. And then there's a story of his daughters then committing incest at the end of the chapter. While God tries to rescue this family, we see elements of compromise all over it. And that's where we're living in a world that is getting worse and worse and more sinful and more sinful. And so what we need to do is we need to start with ourselves and start with our own families and make sure that we are not compromising and giving in more and more to the culture, that we are keeping our hearts pure. And even as we think about Lot's wife, she gets turned into a pillar of salt as she looks back. And that is we are saved from our sin and now running towards a savior that we are not looking back towards sin or looking back towards our old life with a sense of longing that we miss being involved in the sins of the world and the sins of our flesh. That no, may we be starting with ourselves and even starting with our own homes and trying to make sure that we are leading in such a way that is pleasing to God and realize, yes, there is a battle going on out there in the culture, but there's also a battle going on in our own hearts and our own homes. And if we aren't being faithful there, we will never really truly be faithful in the culture as well. And I think that's another thing you see in, from Abraham in chapter 20, when he does this familiar, oh, she's my sister bit with Sarah. I think it's something that kind of hurts his testimony that he he's supposed to be a, a prophet in God's what God calls Abraham in verse seven. Yeah, this is my prophet. And he's the one that's kind of misleading you, Abimelech. How, how does that look? Uh, it doesn't look like it probably should for a person being described as a prophet of God. So let's start with ourselves, start with our homes and make sure that we're not just thinking about the battle in the culture as important as that may be, but that we're thinking about the battle in our own homes and our own hearts. Finally, we see the familiar story in Acts chapter three, verses one through 10, where this paralyzed man is healed on the steps of the temple where Peter and John went to pray and he proceeds walking and leaping and praising God. And they give him that that gift and that sign. And we're going to see then the sermon that kind of this this sets up. And I think you see that a lot in the book of Acts. The, The signs that they were given to do weren't just miracles to do just to show off just for whatever. They were done to really affirm the work of the Lord in the lives of the apostles and really to affirm their words, to set up this opportunity. That's what we saw in chapter two. This miraculous gift of speaking in tongues sets up a sermon. And that's kind of what we're going to see here in chapter three as as well, that we're going to see another sermon set up by this miracle. And we'll get to that tomorrow. But today, may we be found faithful fighting the battle within and seeking to please the Lord in all things. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.